Hi, I'm Michaela Shanfield. I'm 22 years old. I'm from London and I'm back for the second mini-series of the 64 Million Artists podcast. This series runs alongside the January Challenge 2022, an annual celebration of creativity hosted by the brilliant people over at 64 Million Artists. They believe that absolutely everyone is creative and are on a mission to help people tap into the power of their creativity through the January Challenge. This year, we're working with a wide range of collaborators and community champions, from musicians and chefs, to sports stars and activists who've designed new creative challenges. And I've made it my personal mission to have a chat with some of these amazing people on the podcast. There are three brand new programs for you to choose from in this year's challenge. Each program is full of brilliant ideas and creative prompts designed by our range of collaborators and you, you could explore your senses and the natural world in the We Are Human program, or you could explore your identity and community as well as others in the We Are Culture program. And finally, the We Are Connected program looks at what happens when we create together. So join our growing creative community and sign up to the January challenge over at 64millionartists.com. We'll be audio describing ourselves in each episode of the podcast to help make the experience as accessible as possible. Hi, my name is Michaela. I'm a 22-year-old South Asian woman living in London. I have shoulder-length black curly hair and I'm currently sat in a blue room uh, filled with my brother's revision notes on the walls. Hi, my name's Cathy. I'm a 35-year-old white woman with dwarfism. I'm British and I'm sitting in my living room. I'm wearing a mustard-coloured yellow top and I've got blue hair and blue nails. Hi everyone and welcome back to the 64 Million Artists podcast. In line with the January Challenge 2022, we're continuing to have a range of conversations with our brilliant collaborators. Today I'm joined with Kathy Ray, a journalist, mother and influencer who advocates for disability rights and representation. Through her work as a writer and disability consultant, she's focused on dismantling ableism as a form of social justice. Kathy writes about disability justice, sex and dating, motherhood and skincare, to name just a few topics. She also runs a very successful Instagram account called Kathy Ray Writes, where she shares her thoughts and personal journey. Kathy is one of our incredible collaborators for this year's January Challenge. Kathy, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. At 64 Million Artists, we love to start off our conversations with something fun and very easy to do, which we call creative challenges. For today's challenge, I have two sentence openers that I would like you to finish. So just think about the first thing that comes to your mind and feel free, yeah, to just say anything. So the first one is, when I'm creative, I... When I'm creative, I... Try not to let any like inhibitions or rules override my creativity. So mm. I try to express it without letting any voices in my head mm. dissuade me from doing it in its most mm. natural way. I love that. I really like the response. And the second one is when we are creative, we. When we are creative, we are powerful. We can express ourselves in ways that really resonate um, with the outside world and start conversations and that's really cool. It gives me a lot of space for thought and I like that there are so many different kind of interpretations of creativity as well. So what I love about doing these kind of challenges is that we're able to really find out what creativity means 
to you and what creativity means to different people because after all it's so wide-ranging so based on on those responses what do you think that creativity means to you personally I know that you mentioned it allows you to be free thinking and go with the process and not hold yourself back so what do you think it really means to you? I think it's that, but it's also, it's a way for me to express myself that is far beyond any preconceptions of what people might hold about me or my identity. And so if, when I'm being creative, I can just let those things to one side and just do whatever it is I want to do in, in that creative space. And that's really cool and not have it even necessarily be judged or whatever you know not focus on that kind of stuff just focusing on like the joy or the relief or the whatever emotions I feel in the process rather than whatever the outcome is or the story behind it even necessarily. One thing that I really love about creativity and one thing that it's helped me to do is focus on the process rather than the end product. And I feel like you discover so much about yourself through doing something that's really creative and expresses your identity. And I think that as a journalist, you talk about some of these things and you also talk about everything from relationships to skincare to motherhood and even cats. So I think that what creativity helps us to do is express ourselves and open up bigger and more meaningful conversations. And if I'm getting it right, that's what I kind of sensed from your response to when we are creative we so do you think that this resonates with you and also the way that you use your platform like for example I've seen some amazing posts on your Instagram about ableism in the beauty industry yeah I think when I go to write something on my platform and it's about a topic that is close to my heart like ableism like motherhood like even skincare because it's close to my heart in the sense that I'm interested in it it might not be a heavy topic but it's something it's a it's a hobby it's a passion of mine so I I feel a certain way about it brings me joy and so when I'm I'm talking about these things I'm very conscious that anywhere any space I inhibit and that includes online being online doesn't show me as like one like a person that that is only one thing and that just provides one service because I use my I don't use my Instagram or my online presence or whatever as a business at all I kind of just use it almost as a diary and and that's that's not any shade to anybody that does use it as a business but for me it is a creative kind of outlet and so I I talk about anything on there really that that impacts me when I haven't let like inhibitions get the better of me that I've made my more meaningful posts that have resonated with more people because when you quieten the voices in your head or the all the doubts or the fear maybe that's getting it wrong or that people won't like what you have to say or that you're going to say it in in a way that's not clear you know we all have those kind of doubts and fears when we have those but when we overcome those that's that's when we can be our, our most powerful I think I definitely resonate with that and I think I think Instagram definitely feel sorry Instagram and other social media platforms they feel like a highlight reel sometimes and yeah. that people only post their accolades or accomplishments and actually what I've found is that whenever I'm posting about really going through like difficult times and overcoming hardships 
that's when I've had more interaction or engagement and it feels like it, it really helps to empower other people. Do you, do you feel like that's something that's the aim of your online presence or platform is to share your journey, but do it with the intention of empowering people? Or do you think that that's just come naturally along the way? I think that's come naturally along the way. Like the more I've kind of shared deeper, more personal things, the more people have been like, hey, I really resonate with this because although it might not be my exact experience, I experienced X, Y, and Z, which is really similar or whatever. Or I've been reflecting on how I've caused harm in X, Y, and Z way. And I think that just kind of happened naturally over time. It wasn't like a premeditated thing for me. But I think it happens with anybody that that chooses to really share what's in their heart or on their mind. You can get something out of what anyone says if you if you look deep enough into it, into the messages being conveyed. It's a, a really nice coincidence of things happening, but I guess it shows, you know, how much the journey can be impactful. Like going back to what we were saying a couple of minutes ago, that sometimes the journey and what you discover along the journey is more impactful than the final product. So things that happen alongside have been really impactful for people that are part of your sort of online community now. On the topic of your Instagram account, which I personally love just because of how many different topics are shared on there. There's everything from humour to like honesty and like really insightful posts as well. I was just wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about how you've used Instagram as a platform to document your story and maybe shed a light on other people's stories and use it as more of a storytelling platform rather than a highlight reel. Yeah, so I started my Instagram a couple of years ago following the ending of my marriage. I was heartbroken at the time. I was feeling really low and I felt very disconnected because I had two young kids. I wasn't really getting out of the house much and stuff. So I started it as a way of just feeling some kind of connection, I guess. I didn't really know much about Instagram at the time. I didn't follow any public figures. I didn't understand how influencing worked. I didn't understand what content creation was I just started it and then I started talking quite a lot about motherhood on my page and the kind of realities of of what that was like for me at that time and and the difficulties that came along with that as well as the joy and you know people started noticing and and following me and then I was like oh hey this is becoming a thing and then I found all these other creators and and then it just kind of very sl- slowly snowballed into, into being something that was important to me, I guess. And at certain times, I felt a bit of a responsibility for, in the sense that it's been at times like a source of income for me, and it's been a, a place of doing work for me. I feel a bit of a connection to it that is both responsible, but also sentimental because it's also brought me so many connections and such a wealth of information, some good, some bad, but like it's opened my eyes on so many things that we just don't, we don't get to like see firsthand in the real world necessarily, Mm -hmm. especially if for whatever reason we're sick, we're disabled, we're we're Mm -hmm. single mothers, whatever, and we're stuck at home a lot of the time. We don't get to meet these people and see what what goes on in in other communities and stuff. So I think it's a very, very enlightening and humble experience following the lives of of people that 
we've never met, that we're probably never going to meet, but that have lives that are so radically different, but obviously just as worthy as anyone else is. So yeah, I've forgotten your question. But <laughs> <laughs> and don't worry, I've also forgotten my question because I've just been so absorbed in what you're saying. But I was just wondering, like, one thing that you mentioned is sometimes there isn't an overload of information. And with social media and, and different platforms, it can feel like you're getting lots of different things thrown in your face all at once. Have you, right. ever, do, do you resonate with that? Do you feel like sometimes it can be quite overwhelming being like a content creator and also absorbing the information on these platforms? For sure. And I think during the pandemic, it's been really hard because we've been at home even more. Single parents and disabled people have been at home. Everybody's been at home in periods of that, right? And loads of people have turned to the internet to feel some kind of connection to social media, to to kind of plug in and that's been like whoa very overwhelming and we're not taught on how to manage that kind of stuff or like how to set boundaries around our online presence or the kind of information subscribe to or we let ourselves see and I think it's very trial and error you kind of let something make you feel shit for a while and then you're like okay actually I don't have to follow that person or I don't have to engage with this or I could just put my phone down but you have to learn, you kind of have to learn it because, yeah, nobody really teaches you it. So that has definitely been something for me that I've struggled with at different times. And I think as well, when you're when you're in a space where your mental health might be low or you might feel insecure or you might be just tired and fed up or whatever, we can develop really unhealthy addictions to social media and to social media validation and things like that. That's something I've really learned over the last year through doing it myself and through seeing other people do it too and trying to restrict myself and manage myself in ways that I haven't had to before because it's actually affecting my mental health or making me not feel like what I'm outputting is what I want to do. It's definitely a learning process. I completely agree with you. I've really been at points where I've just deleted my social media accounts. Sometimes I find it so overwhelming, whether it be like, I remember at one point in 2020, I had to delete Twitter because it felt like there was so much bad news all the time. And it became so overwhelming and it just felt like, you know, you're you're spiraling. And at the same time with Instagram, I think there's a lot of comparison, like comparison to other people's lives, how they're doing and feeling almost, I think you might have spoken about this, but a sense of imposter syndrome, like, you know, what am I doing? I'm not on the same journey as this person. How have you, you managed that? How have you dealt with those sort of like feelings with social media? It's tricky for sure. And I also think that there's like, as well as comparison, I think there's there's this thing on social media now, which I think is more on Instagram than it is Twitter, but I don't, I'm on Twitter, but I don't use it as much. I don't, I'm not as familiar with how people interact, but certainly on Instagram, everybody's rushing to call each other out, right? To make sure that everybody is being PC. We're rushing to be PC and then everybody else is rushing to correct us a bit more. And I do it as well. Like I, I think, oh, that person has said something that is actually a little bit harmful to 10 different people or whatever or a segment of the population or or even just wrong but like you know where that used to be quite good we've actually lost sight of it because so many of us do it and it's actually one of the first things we look for so sometimes if I'm in a mentally low mood or I'm feeling insecure or any of those things I described earlier I might log on and look at someone's page And I'll be looking for the mistakes 
first or I'll be looking for the bad takes or however that person annoys me first and they they don't annoy me it's me it's all with me but but I feel like there's a lot of that online there's a lot of hate following and there are a lot of people just waiting to trip you up and that's quite a sinister world to navigate when not everybody is is on your side and there are people that are waiting to police you we're we're living in this police state where we all just police each other all the time and it's getting in the way of us making progress so in terms of like how I manage it badly (laughs) definitely badly but I've actually taken a break from posting on my grid at the moment because I just couldn't bear the amount I was having to overthink everything I was posting before I posted it and then even when I posted it there it was problematic because nobody's perfect right like I was just so worried about it and so anxious about it so I've I've stopped posting on my grid and I don't post as much in stories now either which is a shame but it's just it is what it is because I need to protect my mental health right of course Um, it comes first it comes first comes first yeah so and when it's not yeah when social media is not a joyful experience for you or mostly not joyful then Mm. it's definitely time to stop using it yeah for sure I completely agree it's kind of like with relationships right if you feel like there's like a toxic relationship in your life or something that's really draining you and not really bringing you a lot of joy then it's quite nice to set that boundary and be better at saying no and I think that those boundaries with social media is, is so important but when you were talking, it made me think that your social media like feed is like a learning journey and it's sharing your journey. But it's quite sad that you're in this platform or environment where it's a bit more toxic and sometimes the, the different things in your journey aren't always appreciated or accepted. And I also completely relate to feeling hyper aware of what I am posting and what I can share and can't share because I'm also aware that there are people there who, if I'm having something good going on they might not be happy that that is happening and it Mm -hmm. just makes me think okay what what about my life and my memories or my journey can I personally share and what do I need to to not in order to protect my own mental health right exactly yeah I've been thinking quite a lot about how people share relationships like romantic relationships right and some people share quite a lot about that when they start a relationship when they reach certain milestones in that relationship when they break up from that person and you go through that whole journey with them and some people just share a bit of it and some people don't share anything and it's really made me think about it because I've been in or I'm in relationships now where sometimes you're just like you're really happy and you just want to post something nice and you don't want to brag but you just want to share that happiness and you want other people to feel happy for you and that's That's not necessarily you being like, ah, look at me in a relationship. It's just like wanting to spread joy, right? But then you've you've really got to think about, oh, but how is it going to make other people feel if they're not in a relationship and they're really sad about that? Or, you know, X, Y, and Z. You've got to think about all those things. And it's the same like having children, for example. Obviously, a lot of people have infertility issues, totally sensitive to all of that. But then it's really tricky because how do you share that joy in a way that holds space for people that might be grieving the fact that they don't share the same joy? And I think a lot of people use social media too. That's the difficult thing. A lot of people use social media to escape that grief. So when they see it on social media, it's like, but this is supposed to be escapism. Why am I seeing this here? 
and you can feel triggered by it, which is completely valid. And I have definitely felt triggered by things in the past that I've been wanting to escape from. But yeah, so it's really hard. I haven't found the answer in terms of how much I share. I definitely overshare. Sometimes I'll vaguely say I'm I'm dating somebody or something, but it is quite clear to me not to share, A, because of the privacy of the other person. And I just don't really want that to be a negotiation between us because it's my platform. And B, because I don't, I, I see especially how women are about relationships, how there is so much expectation put on you regarding relationships and what you should be doing when and oh are they having a fight we haven't seen him on her page for a while and things like that you know and I'm just like I don't want to I don't even want to be in that (laughs) I don't want to be part of that like conversation at all like this is this is not a soap opera for everyone's this is not a soap opera this is my life (laughs) exactly And just because someone shares like when they're super happy about something doesn't give us a right to like I don't know speculate and judge all the rest of it but somehow we think it does on social media somehow we think it does yeah I completely agree it's it is really challenging isn't it like monitoring how much you share and how much you don't share because it's like how can you actually measure how much this is impacting other people you don't know you know you you really have no idea but I think the other pitfall or challenge of being open whilst it can be amazing and so good to be vulnerable and open and share your joy and happiness also people can be quite over familiar at times and they right. almost demand or they think that they need and deserve an update on something that is not right for them. right exactly like ages ago I posted ages ago I posted something really hurtful that happened to me and it happened in a hairdressing salon and it was the the person that was working there and then I got loads of messages like quite aggressive messages because I wouldn't name the salon And I just thought, we're losing focus a bit here because like, firstly, I've got to consider my privacy and my kids' privacy. But secondly, like, what gives you the right to know that? It doesn't make my experience any less valid. It's not like I'm making it up. It's just, you know, irrespect that I'm not sharing that part and let's move on. And that applies to everything, relationships, kids. People who blur out their kids' faces. Why aren't you showing your kids' face? Who cares? If they don't want to, that's fine. But yeah, the more people share, the more we think we are owed, I think. Mm, I really think that. When people connect with you, me, whoever, we want to keep up that connection and we want to strengthen it. We want to deepen it. And so when that doesn't happen, it's a bit like, oh, okay. Um, Fine, be like that. She's got a bit of an ego because she's not sharing. But whatever, who cares? And I've definitely gone into people's inboxes and been like, yo, are you dating this person? Or how's your baby or whatever? I've been over familiar with people and I cringe thinking about it because, Mm. and I'm sure I will be again in the future because that's what, I don't know, that's what we seem to do. Yeah, I guess like human beings, they thrive on connection, but sometimes it's not connection in a way that's reciprocated. I think sometimes you can be right. the behind a screen and you demand and expect things of someone with a very public... And just because you might have, like, chatted to them a couple of times and laughed yeah. together in, in DMs doesn't mean you're besties and they owe you anything, right? And that goes for anyone. That goes exactly. for anyone. Yeah. And just going back to, to the hairdressers as well, I think... It reminded me of when you were saying at the beginning, some people will look for negative things on a person's profile or for a person and 
I think they go in with maybe the intention of like wanting to have accountability, but they forget that there is a sense of privacy that is needed for the people that have actually experienced the situation. Like this isn't a gossip column. This isn't something that is here. This is my life. Mm-hmm. It's a hurtful situation. Why do mm-hmm. I, if I can't, if I don't want to share more, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And you don't need to justify it to other people either. You can just do it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. There's, it's just scary how much control we think we have over other people. We police their bodies, we police their minds, we police what they say and their actions so much. And it's just like, let people live. So Kathy, as we were speaking about online culture and monitoring online culture and social media, I know that you've been able to share a lot of what you've written about as a journalist through your social media and I think it links a lot to what we've been saying about comparison and showing yourself more self-love and actually in an article that I was reading about making disability part of the beauty narrative you mentioned that there's so much beauty in standing out and what I learned from your piece is that it takes a lot of self-love to feel brave enough to stand out especially when as you mentioned in the piece you'd been made to feel invisible so how do you think you've used things like beauty products, fashion and skincare to really express yourself more fully? I think I don't really use like makeup or anything. That's not because I don't feel like I don't deserve it or anything like that. It's just because I don't I don't particularly enjoy using makeup. I don't enjoy how it feels on my face. If you follow me, you'll know that I love skincare. And the reason I love skincare is because I love how I can give my skin like a healthy glow where where it's felt like it hasn't had one and that helps me to have a little bit of confidence I guess and it makes me feel proud as a disabled person to to have an invested interest in skincare because this industry wasn't made for people like me and so like me being a consumer of it is almost an act of rebellion even though I'm feeding into capitalism by being a consumer it's also an act of rebellion because it wasn't made for me but here I am using it successfully and it's a good thing for me to do and in terms of fashion like I've been on a bit of a fashion journey in the last couple of years and also a, a hair journey which I'm definitely still in the beginning stages of but I've become a lot more bold with the color choices that I make because they make me feel happier and more confident I guess and more I I hesitate to use this word but I suppose I do mean it more powerful quite often when we talk about power what's actually meant is taking power away from others and that's not what I'm about but what I'm about is standing in my own power that small amount that is rightfully mine and definitely all the things that I've just mentioned help me to do that for sure they're not all of it Skincare doesn't make me 100% confident, but just a little Mm. bit. Yeah, I really like that. I guess it's a sense of empowerment. I don't know if you've come across the term love languages. Uh, Have you come across it before? Yeah. Yeah. So my love language personally is, is acts of service. I love when people help me out or take a bit of a weight off my shoulders or something like that. And so it seems like with skincare and also changing your fashion sense or your hair, it's a love language to yourself. It's an act of love for yourself. And you're showing a love language that you usually show to other people, to yourself, which is really empowering. Definitely, definitely. Just accepting that we exist in these spaces is is quite a radical thing to get our heads around. Mm. So it's pretty cool when we can accept that we are here. 
definitely it's such an act of caring for ourselves and other people so Kathy your challenge for the January challenge is called an ode to access and it's all about normalizing access needs and the brilliant things that help us in our journeys to better access for those that don't know could you explain a bit more about what an ode is yeah it's kind of a narrative piece that is all about a specific thing it's saying this thing is is amazing because of x y and z and I'm explaining it in the piece I don't know how to say that in a proper linguistic way but that's that's what node is <laughs> no I think that you explained it really well it's super creative but it's also very lyrical it kind of it brings yeah. in a lot of tropes that music and songs have so I know that a few weeks ago you did a really good workshop with the 64 million artists all about your challenge and I was just wondering could you tell me a bit more about the process behind creating your challenge and what it what it meant to you Sure. When 64 Million Artists approached me to do this, I immediately thought of um, thought of this as a topic of access needs because the things that we use for access are always deemed very ugly. We should hide them away. They're embarrassing. They're expensive often. They're actually quite hard for a lot of us to be able to buy or get as disabled people. And I just really wanted to highlight that because that's been something that's been on my mind for a long time. So yeah, it's just been something that's been on my mind a lot. And also I subscribe to this brilliant, I think it's a quarterly, maybe a monthly magazine called Ablezine, which is run by and written by disabled and chronically ill people. And they talk quite a lot in that magazine about um, access and the things we use for access and stuff. So I've been thinking about that and ruminating on it for quite a while. And then when 64 Million Artists approached me, I was like, okay, yeah, this is where we can bring together the passion for being creative and the beauty that comes along with being creative with this thing that's inherently seen as so ugly and overlooked and unsightly and all of those things so it just kind of seemed like a a match kind of made in hell but we could make it in heaven do you know what I mean like let's open the narrative as to why that is and let's actually spin it on its head and and, and glorify these things that give us our freedom it, it makes me think a lot about that sense of power that you were mentioning about like owning the narrative and taking the narrative mm-hmm. back into your own hands from reflecting on your challenge myself it made me think about what I need and what other people need and how something that has been seen by other people as ugly or or whatever other adjectives people want to use is actually really beautiful because it helps you in a way I mean there were some really wonderful responses to your challenge but I was just wondering could you share um, a little bit more about your response or any responses that really resonated with you from the work yeah so I I wrote an ode some people did a picture and some people wrote a text which was just awesome it was really cool seeing all the different ways that people were comfortable in expressing themselves in this challenge. I wrote an ode because words come naturally to me and um, sometimes, but they do about this particular topic because it's something I've been passionate about for a while, but I haven't actually written that much about. What was really interesting was everyone interpreted it obviously in a very unique way. And there were different emotions behind each piece. Whilst they could all be classed as odes, there were still different emotions there. And that was really, really interesting to look into for me, not knowing these people at all, all the things they use for access or their relationships with them, just to look at and to notice how I felt about how they felt through their piece, like how I connected with their connection. Yeah, I completely understand that. And I think it's quite nice to connect to people in a different way than just like 
what your name is and what you you decide to share on social media for example what you decide right. to share on your platform one of my favorite responses was someone's ode to tiger balm like I thought that tiger balm was just something that I had in my household it was so beautifully written and it was such a nice piece but it also just helped me to gain an insight into what other people need and and as you said connect with them yeah definitely because like we all need different stuff disabled people non-disabled people we all we all get different things out of the different things that we use or the different processes we take or whatever and that's really cool it's really interesting Mm, exactly and I guess just going alongside your challenge what do you hope that the people that are doing your challenge or who will do your challenge in the future will get from just taking like five or ten minutes out of their day to reflect and do your challenge themselves I guess the, the point for me was for disabled people primarily to to really reflect on on the freedom that their access aids give them, their mobility aids or or whatever it is that they use and how those things have been interpreted for so long as ugly, but actually they're really beautiful because they give us that freedom. And then the wider audience of, of non-disabled and disabled people alike, like just a kind of awareness that we do all need different things and that we take a lot of things that we use for granted, especially non-disabled people take a lot of things that they need for granted because they're so readily available typically. And but make but them being readily available doesn't mean we shouldn't appreciate them and just slowing down and appreciating whatever it is that we need to for us to go about our lives is really cool. Whoever we are. That. Yeah, definitely that like sense of gratitude um and appreciation. Yeah. I, uh, yeah I really love that and sadly this is going to be our, our my final question to you but yeah it's been such a lovely conversation and just to end on I guess a high note one thing that we love to do at Six Four Million Artists is something called a New Year's Revolution and so that is an affirmation a cause or a change that you want to see taking place as we step into the second month of the new year I want to see I mean how realistic does it have to be it, it doesn't have to be realistic okay cool <laughs> so I think going back to the topic that we spoke about at length at the beginning of social media and mental health I want to see more discussions around that and I want to see more education around that as well especially for young people but not just young people anybody who's tapped in like there are a lot of I think there's a misconception that it's only young people who can be influenced by this mm-hmm. stuff and while they can definitely it's also old people as well none of us really know what we're doing online none of us really know the the reach of all our private information and things like that and how damaging certain things can be so I think just like more education around that stuff and more importance placed on on teaching people healthy boundaries on Mm. how we communicate Oh, I completely agree. And I think also the value of, of saying no and knowing when to say no, especially on social media. Kathy, thank you so, so much for joining today's conversation. Thank you for time. having me. Thank you. Thanks so much to Kathy for such an interesting and insightful conversation, all about normalising access needs, monitoring our consumption of social media and using skincare and beauty as an act of self-love. If you haven't signed up to the January challenge yet, there are still a couple of days left to do so. You can sign up over at 64millionartists.com. And if you've been doing the challenges, we would love to see your responses. So feel free to share them online and tag us at 64millionartists. 
If you'd like to see other people's responses to the challenges, you can check them out over on our social media platforms on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, and even Facebook at 64 Million Artists. Lastly, if you'd like to get involved in the podcast and have your voice heard, there's still time to do so. You can submit your reflections on the January challenge over to Yashoda at 64millionartists.com or send a voice note to our WhatsApp number. I'll include these in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening and I will see you next time. Bye.